You're listening to the Tranquility Tribe podcast, an empowering space for all parents from conception to childhood. In this podcast, you'll explore your birth options, hear from experts in the field, learn to embrace self-indulgence, and prepare yourself for parenthood with Haiti. She's a coffee connoisseur, lover of deep belly laughs, a big-time tailgater, and your neighborhood birth junkie. From Mississippi to Massachusetts and everywhere in between, here's your host, Hee. Today, I have a very powerful mamapreneur and girl boss with me. I am a longtime follower of hers and have slowly fallen in love with everything that she stands for. She is one of those people who just gets it. You know, she just really gets it. From being a mom to being a partner to being an advocate for social justice issues to the way that she talks to her child and the freedom she allows her daughter to just explore the world. Sarah Bivens is the co-host of Doing It at Home podcast an empowering platform that helps women who are searching for information about home births have a place they can turn to for honest, real answers. Her daughter is 17 months, and she and her husband are real relationship goals, y'all. They are so cute and really understand the meaning of teamwork. They bring that to their fans every day. The realness of being a parent and trying to keep your relationship alive and trying to have a job or trying to keep the house running or trying to have a life outside the four walls of your home can be incredibly challenging. Sarah also just launched a podcast dedicated to motherhood and finding that balance. That is what we are here to talk about today. Balance. Without further ado, Sarah Bivens, y'all. Sarah, I'm so happy you're here. Hi, he. I am excited too. This is awesome. You know, we've been able to connect and we've had a lot of conversations before this. So I just know today is going to be magical and I'm just grateful for you holding the space for me. Oh my gosh, you are so sweet. Thank you so much. All of your words are so inspiring. Every time you speak, I like have sparks almost and I'm like, oh yeah, I feel that. That's awesome. Oh, so before we jump into the nitty gritty of um, like taking care of, of oneself, I want for our listeners to know about your Doing It At Home podcast. So if you could kind of tell us about that briefly, where to find it, um, because it is really an amazing resource. And I've learned so much from listening to it, and I think our listeners might enjoy it too. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm excited to have you on the show shortly. So I don't know how we're going to you know, schedule publishing of both our respective episodes, but if anyone's listening and they haven't listened to yours, they should go listen to your episode on Doing It At Home. Yay. Um, The brief synopsis of doing it at home has been Matthew and I chose to go home birth with the birth of our daughter, Maya, and we made that decision in the middle of our pregnancy. And through the course of that process, we were a little disappointed by what we felt was a lack of resources and mainstream empowering conversation around home birth and around the decision and a way to support moms and families, provide resources, and to just tell stories. Uh, So we wanted to tell our story. And through the course of that, we hit record a couple months into pregnancy and documented some of our process, launched the show, doing it at home the week Maya was born. And since then, it has just become this platform for other moms and families to share their home birth stories. You know, once we put the podcast out there, people were coming out like in droves, you know, oh, I had a home birth and this, and this is my story. And it's been really cool to make the home birth world, uh, 
smaller and bigger at the same time. You know, I feel so close to these people, but I'm, I'm becoming so aware and I'm so um, in awe of how many are actually out there. And uh, yeah, so doing it at home, we publish every week, we publish typically a home birth story and that's where we interview a mom or um, someone who has a home birth tale to put out there. And then we also riff on some of our own experience and some topics related to birth. And we bring on really powerful, cool, brilliant, thought leaders, experts, birth workers, light workers in the birth community onto the show. And you can find doing it at home on Apple Podcasts, so iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, wherever you can listen to a podcast, you can basically find it. And of course, on our website, and that's diahpodcast.com. That is, oh my gosh, so, so, so much information. Yeah, I, um, you know, I often say that you never suffer alone. You just kind of suffer in silence. And I think there's a lot of people who kind of have the same experience as you, but everyone stays so silent. Um, and even about, not things that are even suffering, but things that maybe just are different than, you know, what society teaches us we should do. I, I, well, if you have not checked out the Doing It at Home podcast, do it now. Uh, I'm just going to leave it at that. Okay. Self-care. Oh, one of my favorite topics. I love it so, so much because for me, it is like actually a way of life. It's so vital. It's so different for everybody, but it makes an impact on everybody. Like it doesn't matter who you are or what your self-care looks like. And only you know that you just have to like be in this mindset of knowing, you know, what that looks like for you and being able to say it and achieve that. And yeah. So I was talking to a pelvic floor specialist yesterday and we were sharing stories of the differences we've seen when mental health and mindset are taken into account and really made a focus. So tell me a little bit about how you became such a mindset guru, if you will. Ooh, that's a lot. And the word guru, I mean, <laughs> that's my own work, right? So when I hear that thinking, ah, oh, no, that's not me, you know, cause we're so easy to just count ourselves out or to right? not receive when someone wants to acknowledge what we're doing. So just that is an opportunity for me to show up and whether or not I see myself as a guru doesn't matter. It's, it's the, it's, the being open to receive however someone is experiencing you. Um, so I love how you said self-care um, as a part of you know, your life. And I really look at self-care as kind of a lifestyle and it's a practice and it's whatever you want to call it. You know, I think some people are even turned off by the word self-care nowadays. Sure, because it's yeah. so buzz and it seems so um, like a luxury and uh, that can be an appealing and I totally get that. So for that, I say, call it whatever the heck you want. <laughs> First of all, that's a part of mindset is, is the language you use around things. And that was probably one of the first things for me when I really started to get aware of my my thought processes, my relationship to myself, people around me, and my greater life experience was the language I was using to describe it. Um, you know, upgrading words from like positive, negative, even to empowering and disempowering or bad and good to just works and doesn't work, uh, healthy, unhealthy, you know, words that more accurately kind of describe it and take it to a more objective place rather than coming from a space of emotional attachment because emotional attachment is the root of a lot of dis-ease in the body, whether that's physical, mental, emotional, spiritual. And 
I'm not saying don't be in touch with your emotions. I think there's a difference between being emotionally connected and in tuned than attached. Attached is you can't live without whatever this certain thing is, or you need it. Whereas emotionally connected is, um, I am aware of my ability to create whatever that is. And that starts with your, your mindset, you know, your coding, your programming. And so how I got to that space and, you know, it's still a, it's still a process. It's a day by day, even moment to moment choice. It's so much practice, so much practice, so much falling on my face, cry, crying, <laughs> tears, blood, yep. sweat, all of those things and feedback. Feedback from other people is huge. I think in order to really make a mind shift change, it's this dance of your willingness and your openness to come to the table and be willing to, to scrape up your stuff and also to have people support you in that process and to give you feedback that sometimes you're not always going to like. And that practice, not taking things personally is huge as well. Okay. I would say <laughs> shifting mindset because the universe isn't personal, right. even though we want to make it that way. Sometimes it's really just about, um, here's the circumstance. I see it for what it is. Now, how am I going to choose to relate to what that is? And you know, you can start on the smallest things. That's what I recommend is like, obviously it's a practice, but start with the small things from, you know, baby crying and it, it could send you down a tailspin and a tizzy, uh, focus on some deep breathing in that, in that space. And, you know, affirm yourself that you are okay. Everything's okay. You know, things are okay. It can start that small and then it can get to a point where, you know, a, a thing with your spouse or partner that would have put you guys in a three days of silence or something like that can get turned around quicker. So it's really about minimizing that reactive space and making it more a pause and a how can I respond powerfully. So I, does that answer your question? It or does. <laughs> yeah, it does. I like, I have tingles all over. It's awesome to hear you talk about it because it's, it's like, talking straight to my soul. It's such the same language, I guess. And it's funny to hear you talk about putting spin on language because that's something I do, um, you know, in my birth practices is using alternative language and it looks different. So it's through conversations that you hear fears come out or concerns come out or hesitations. Um, and you can, you know, you kind of approach it from a di different angle, but that requires you to change your language ab about it. And so I think that's huge. So it's, it's one of those moments that, that makes me think, oh my gosh, someone else does this too, you know? So it's really amazing to hear you say that. And I think you're right. It's always a shift. So, um, you say this too, we call, we call, balance this like unicorn of an idea right <laughs> like this thing that like you can't achieve but everyone like wants to be it right but it takes so much practice and hard work and it's like this never you know the shift of responsibilities and rolling with the punches and planning like a maniac only to have you know that change and I love the way that you um, address the real topics of like mom guilt and sex after kids and scheduling self-care time and, and talking about how easy it is to fall in the place of envy and self-loathing and, um, you know, other people's social media and that, that how it affects you. Talk to us a little bit about, about that. Sure. So, I mean, ooh, the mom guilt and particularly as you're, as you're saying, social media 
social media is such a mixed bag of things <laughs> from awesome to the other end of the spectrum. And in a way, especially through this journey of motherhood, I found it's a way to connect in a way that we as women couldn't before in decades past to hear stories and learn about things that we wouldn't otherwise to open our minds, to make us more understanding, to make us more compassionate, to see what someone else's uh, story or what someone else's truth is and how it relates to our own. It's so powerful in that sense. And I mean, hi, I'm on it all the time and I'm using it as a way to, to spread, you know, what my truth is and my messages and connect with others. And then there's like almost anything in life, there's a, a duality to it and there's a side that may not be so empowering or so pretty. And that's the part where you can take some of what the information is, again, something objective, something without any judgment or uh, emotion attached to it, but we apply our own to it. And so when we see this picture or when we see this story of what someone is having that for some reason, deep down, we feel like we are not worthy of or deserving of, or whatever that, whatever that story is we're running, it then creates an opportunity for us to expand our guilt rather than work on it and, and reduce it and heal it, heal it really. Um, and so that's where you just have to have a balance <laughs> with your relationship to social media and maybe not be on it all the time. Or I, I think I mentioned in that episode about the guilt and shame. If you're following someone that constantly brings up those feelings for you, then don't follow them. Don't follow and them, maybe right? come back around after a few months and see, oh, wow, this doesn't bother me like it used to. That's yeah. the juice. That's the really fun part of practicing mindset and practicing, you know, elevating yourself is coming back to something and you know in your core when you realize that's something that would have completely taken you out a year ago, two years ago. I think about that all the time. Things that I'm served up now that because of, of how I've increased my capacity to handle those things, oh wow, cool. And I don't break a sweat. But I know that would have taken me out years ago. And the thing with that in those moments is to cultivate extreme gratitude for that and to not take for granted the work that you've done and the progress that you've made and the healing that you've done. Because this, the mindset, you know, going back to what you said, coming to that mindset space, it's a muscle just like anything else. And it atrophies if you don't work on it and it grows the more the attention and what you, what you do put into it. Um, so, so those are, those are my thoughts on that. And, you know, guilt, I really just look at that as an opportunity to explore where am I not loving myself enough appropriately. Yeah. Enough, whatever, whatever that is where, cause it's something in me because for my ability to even pull what the thing is from what I'm seeing, that means it already exists in me. I couldn't recognize something as guilt or shame or judgment or fear or anger if it wasn't already in there. So it's a really cool opportunity, but that's where the support of other people comes into play. That's where resources, that's where things like what you and I are up to are, are helpful. It's like utilize those things because it's, it's not done in a cave by yourself, that, that yeah. process, that self-growth, that self-care. It's just not. Yeah, you need a village, you know, you need a village to help you raise your kid, but you need a village for your own self, too. Yes, adults still need the village. <laughs> yeah, don't lose touch with those uh, those old friends. Like, you need them. You do. You don't need that many, so you just need a few good ones, but you need them, you know? Oh, my goodness. You need them. So, where do uh, where do Maya and Matthew fit into your, your balancing act? And for our listeners, that is... Um, 
that Sarah's husband and, and little girl. How do you balance that mom guilt or that guilt of, of leaving Matthew home alone with Maya? Um, although I see on Instagram all the time that he is so wonderful with Maya. You guys are so cute. How do you find that voice to like tap out, as I say? Um, you know, I also love introducing people to the idea that if you take care of yourself, then your family benefits too. What, you know, what are your thoughts? How do you guys manage that? Ooh. Yeah, it's hard. He, <laughs> uh, he, I love, I love everything you said. First of all, I think people should just pause and re-listen to everything you just set up this with. Um, it's so multi-layered and it's yeah. so juicy, you know, at each part of it. But I'll, I guess I'll start with me and Matthew, Matthew and I, whatever. Um, <laughs> my mom is like a stickler for grammar, yeah. so I'm always aware of when am I, when do I use I, when do I use me, damn it. Um, for me and Matthew, uh, it's constant, <laughs> uh, tweaking and fine tuning of who we are as individuals and then who we are as a couple and understanding it's just part of our agreement. And for us in particular, this is what works, but you have to do, you know, if I were to be giving advice or if I were to be coaching on this, it's for whatever works within your dynamic and the choices that you're making for yourself and for your partnership. And Matthew and I are aware that in this deal, in this thing that we call partnership and marriage, and we work together too, our lives are super intertwined and we parent almost 50, 50. So we do have help with Maya, but he's with her a lot. And from my experience in my own family with fathers in those first couple of years, and a lot of my friends, Matthew is way more involved than I see a lot of other dads. And that is not good or bad. That is our dynamic and the balance that we've struck. And that's what works for us. So when it comes to dealing with something like guilt, leaving Matthew, it's, it's not, it's not down to a science yet. There are absolutely still moments where I'm out and say, I told him I would be gone for a period of time and I've gone past that time. You know, I'm checking my phone. I'm checking in. Is this okay? Blah, blah, blah. But that's where trust comes in. And trust is built, has been built over time in our relationship in the however many years, seven years we've been together. Having enough of that in the bank to trust that he's a big boy, he's an adult, and he's making decisions. He made a decision to, one, be with me in this thing called life, two, make a baby with me, and be responsible for this baby. So I trust him in the fullness of his maturity and in his, you know, man hood and his, his king of the castle that if he's telling me something and he's okay with me going out for an extended period of time, that that is the case. And I trust him to speak his truth if it's not that way, because we are not mind readers. And I think that's a lot of, you know, that's where a lot of problems come up is just assuming what the other person's thinking or thinking that the other person knows what we're thinking. And that goes both ways. You know, he's worked on trusting me um, you know, Maya's at a stage right now where she's a little bit more clinging to mama. She's, she gives me more grief than she gives him when we're alone. And so that has fed him feeling a little guilty when he's left the house, but you know, it's just trusting, it's trusting our agreement and, um, continuing to come back to that agreement, what it is, you know, how, how often each of us are spending time with her and, um, remembering to work on ourselves first. That's something that we both agreed, you know, when we entered, our relationship and then in marriage and it's part of you know our relationship standards and the mission statement for our our marriage and our family is that we as individuals come first because everything's gonna flow through that and how I you know strike the balance with Maya that's challenging too I will not even lie there are days just yesterday I was talking to another mom and I have this kind of quasi in and out of two worlds where I work from home you know we run our own businesses we run our podcasts 
So in a sense, I am a working mom, yes, but I'm also with Maya a ton and I fit things in in between her naps and when she's sleeping and this and that. So some days I wish I just had a nine to five. I really do. And I wish she was in daycare every day and I could just focus on, you know, my passion and be in that mental space and do all of that. And then there are days where I just want to be with her all day. I don't want to do anything productive. I don't want to be in business. But of course, neither one would serve me fully. And so that's why I've created what I am, where I am now. And reaffirming your choices, I think, is powerful in that process as well to release some of the guilt and to, to have the balance around it. And I even use air quotes around balance because balance isn't one size fits all. It's what works for you. But a lot of times we make choices for other people because that's what we think makes them happy. And then when something doesn't go well in it, we are left with resentment, frustration, anger, and the guilt because we weren't authentic in that pursuit of whatever it was. So if you feel clear on what you're doing, if you feel clear in your purpose and you have things like a mission statement for yourself or you as a mom or you and your business, then you can come back to that and remember on those hard days. And that's what I do on those hard days where I wish I could just work all the time or I wish I could be a mom all the time. What am I up to? What is it that I say I am? Who is it that I say I am for myself, for my family and for the world? Oh, that's what it is? Okay, I'm gonna keep chugging because this is what I've said I've wanted. This is what I've consciously chosen. And I think a lot of times we find frustration with our conscious choices, and then we don't know what to do with that. Um, And it's kind of this unraveling thing. So all of that to say, the tap out thing you mentioned, I love that, you know, when do I go, okay, I'm done. Yep. That is a dance. Yep. That is a dance as well of my own self-awareness and having a powerful, supportive, loving partner in Matthew to recognize when I might not be speaking up, you need to go. You need to leave the room. You need to leave the house. You need to go take a bath. You need to go take a drive, whatever it is. And that's key as well. So to have that, um, those mechanisms in place of trusting that you can tap out if that's what you're, if that's what you're speaking. And that if someone's giving you that feedback that you probably should to take that and take it as a coming from a loving space rather than, you know, recognizing that you're, you're doing something wrong. That's a thing for me to practice when I'm being shown a more effective way you know, the ego wants to go right to, you're telling me I'm doing something wrong and I suck and this and that. No, I'm just showing you a more effective way. Um, So (laughs) that's the practice there, I would say. And um, yeah, it's like I said, day by day. Yeah. Okay. So that was so multi-layered and I kind of jotted down my notes. So now I'm going to go through, you know, kind of my thoughts. You know, the shifting that you talk about, I think it's constant and I think it doesn't really matter where you are on the spectrum of parenthood, whether you are, you know, in a relationship and I mean, maybe you're not even trying to conceive yet, but you know, you're going to have children with this person. Maybe you are trying to conceive. Maybe you, um, you know, are newly pregnant. Maybe you're about to have a baby. Maybe you just had a baby. Maybe you had a baby two years ago. You know, maybe you're your children are 15 and 25. I don't really know if it matters where you are in this parenthood, you know, spectrum, but I think it's always a shift and it does start with you. So as you feel yourself changing and needing something else, it is important to like recognize that, check in with yourself, really get to the bottom of it, understand what you need to fulfill that, but then also communicate that Next, I think with your partner, because they're your most immediate person, but then you can expect it to overflow into your family, right? So your children are going to feel it like there's going to be this shift, but 
it's going to be an ever-changing dynamic because your kids will always need something different. Your partner's always going to need something different, right? Your family's always going to be changing. Um, if you decide to add more kids, like, whoa, that's a big shift. You know, like, things happen like that. So it is always um, ever-changing. And I think one of the big pieces of mindset is learning to, yeah, find the gratitude and find the piece of, like, okay, I can do this. What am I learning? And how can I how can I approach this from a place that also respects myself, you know? Yeah, that's powerful. And something you kind of alluded to earlier is how you are as, as mama or the woman of the house, the queen, uh, a lot is going to be impacted by how your internal personal space is. And that's something Matthew acknowledged to me just a few weeks ago. You know, he asked how I was doing and how I was feeling. And he said, good, you know, great. I wanted to check in with you because I've really found that you're kind of the barometer for the house you know, what, how we're flowing, how we're functioning, how we're surviving versus thriving, uh, that a lot of that is impacted by you. So if you are well taken care of, if you're loved up, if you feel energized and, and aligned, then things kind of flow from that. I mean, of course, at this stage, Maya is looking to me a lot to see how I respond to certain things. She wants to do things the way that I do them. Uh, even the dogs, we have two dogs and I feel like they respond to our energy and, you know, what's going on in the house. Uh, so some feedback there is for wives and mamas of the house, women of the house. I think it's so important for things to be centered around them as far as the care is concerned, because then when we are more loved up, then that more, that more nurturing, that more divine feminine space comes out. And I feel like things function at a much higher level of efficiency and, uh, love when we are in that space. And I think it gives you a sense of security, right? It makes you feel like your life is kind of stable. I, um, I'm such a hopeless romantic. I can feel myself like welling up with tears. It just makes me so happy to think about people in relationships like that. And I think that you and I have been lucky enough to find that in our partners. And so, oh, it's so sweet. I'm like actually going to cry. So going back to trust is, um, you know, you were mentioning your take on trust, but immediately for me, something different came up. It was a piece of like trusting that your partner can do it. So I meet so many people who are afraid to leave their partners at home with their babies because they are not sure they can do this. And it blows my mind. And I, I struggle to come at it with a place of, you know, calm, rational kindness because I just want to like bop them on the forehead like a V8 commercial and be like are you crazy they helped you make this baby get out of the house and trust that person with your baby like they helped you make this baby trust them take a deep breath and trust that they can take care of your baby keep your phone on loud keep it on you if that helps you feel better you know text ask them to send you pictures if there are baby steps that you can take but you need to get out of the house and you need to trust your partner so i think that trust is also a multi-layer thing but it is really essential like you have to trust you have to trust that they're going to advocate for themselves if they if they aren't okay and they're like actually this poop explosion just really set me off. I have to come home. I don't even know what to do. Like even the dogs are covered. Help come home. Um, you know, but also you have to trust that you can go. And until they say like, all right, the dogs are covered. We need your help that you're good to be out and that your baby's safe and that they are okay and taken care of. And their ways might be different. That's okay. It's all right. You know, like, it's so hard to watch 
your partner do something differently than you. I think when you, when you really believe that your way is right, but if you're working towards the same goal and you kind of end up at the same place and your baby's okay and happy and taken care of and nurtured and you know, yeah, absolutely. I right? love that you mentioned that. And we, we joke about that in our houses, honoring the uniqueness in approach. <laughs> so honoring our own style. Yeah. And, you know, it's like swimming. The only way you're going to learn to really swim is to get in the pool, Yeah, get in the water yeah. and swim. And so it really doesn't help to keep dad or partner away from that because he's going to have to swim eventually. Yeah. Or and always so, with the floaties. Like sometimes you just mm -hmm. have to take them off. Like at some yeah. point they are ready to swim. It's just nerves. So take the floaties off and show them they can swim. Right? Like yeah. yep. they'll get a one hour massage. Don't leave them for eight hours and give them a heart attack. Like that's a lot. Leave them for an hour and a half. Go get an hour massage and come home. Like check in and be like, how was it? They're probably going to be like, oh, I didn't even, like, yeah, the baby slept the whole time, right? Mm -hmm. Like, they're probably going to realize it's so easy, and then you're going to realize, oh, yeah, it's fine. I, I hear so much advocacy in, um, in yours and Matthew's stories and kind of your dynamics, and so, you know, like, family dynamics is part of my background, so I love, love, love picking families apart and, like, just seeing how things flow and what works, and you guys are just a well-oiled, a well-oiled machine, but I hear so much advocacy and a big piece of protecting the headspace, right, about mindset is finding the balance of advocacy. So you first want to recognize that you need some me time, but then the hard part is leaning on others to help you achieve it. Whether that be asking your neighbor to watch your children, paying a babysitter, going out with the girls while your partner is at home, asking your in-laws to take the kids for the weekend, paying a babysitter to take the kids for the weekend, like, you know, shell out some cash and just get away. But being able to you know, even actually it's like as simple as popping your tiny human in front of an iPad so that you can poop and shower. Like it can even look like that. I guess I'm just thinking of like, what does advocating for yourself look like? And it literally can be like, I need five minutes to myself. And here is, here's an episode of Why of the Bee, you know? Like here, you know, so what is your advice for moms out there who are struggling to find their voice, who are too tired or too scared or feel too guilty to speak up? Um, you know, and, and what do you say to the ones who are thinking like, I actually do need that hour or I'm going to be a shit show next week. Like right now, this is me. I, I need an hour to myself. What's your, what's your encouragement? Oh, I love that. And as you set up all of that, I was kind of feeling goosebumps through my, my body because it's so real and it's mm -hmm. so, um, it's almost like visceral because I, I, I feel that experience and I have incredible compassion for it. And I know so many moms are feeling that. And I think it's our first jump, like our first conclusion we leap to around certain things is that we have to be doing it all because there's some elusive magical gold star that we get. There's some reward that we get in our family and society from ourselves from doing it all and not leaning on others and feeling like we could say at the end of the day, I did it all of this without any help. 
Like, like nobody's coming with an award, right? You know, yeah, that there's something in that. And yeah. what is in that, there is something in that because we're winning at some game, oh, whatever yeah. it is that we're doing in life, we're winning at it because we're great at the things that we do. And that game, if you continue that cycle is the game of self-punishment and being a victim. And you're exhausted. It's exhausted. Right? It's a full-time job. Yeah, yeah absolutely. It like gets so much harder than it has to be. Right. So we do that. We think we have to be doing it all. And then also when you're put forth ideas, like what you're saying, be an advocate for yourself. We yeah. also take a large leap to thinking that has to look like something huge, that it has to be this grand, big, like it's the whole enchilada or it's nothing. No, it can start very small. It can be those five minutes of here's a screen, melt your brain for five seconds. You'll be fine. Right. <laughs> like you said, I can shower and poop. Good God. Yeah. When I, when I see the things of women, like not showering or doing anything for themselves for five days, I get it because those times and spaces do come when like the hurricane has stormed, like just gone, obliterated your world. I get that in the house, but mm, that's not something to model. That's not something to be like proud of ourselves for Even pride. I feel like pride is kind of a lower calibrate. It is actually pride is a lower calibrating emotion because it's coming from that egoic kind of space. Whereas if you can move into more of, you know, peace and gratitude and contentment and satisfaction and all of that, you know, that, I guess that's a whole other conversation, but that thing of being the harried mom and making it like this funny kind of uh, trivialized thing, I don't think helps move us out of that space. It just keeps us in there and it keeps us um, like in a sarcastic space of making fun of ourselves so that you know, it's just like the kid who makes fun of themselves in class so that other people won't make fun of them. So if I present myself and acknowledge that I'm this much of a shit show, no one else is going to hurt my feelings as much because I'm aware of my shit show status. Um, so I guess going back to what you originally said of, you know, what I tell those mamas, first of all, it's just, I understand. It's so important to feel understood, even when it's stuff that isn't really helping you. And it's like lower in, disempowering things like it's so important to feel understood. And from there, I feel like you can build on the basis of, okay, I'm not crazy. Okay, it is normal for me to feel this way. Now, how do I move from it? Like acknowledge what it is because ignoring it isn't healthy either. Suppressing and, and letting that harbor and bottle well, up. it doesn't make it go away, right? Like it just, exactly. like ignoring is just that. Like you're just kind of turning. And so when it does creep up again, you just like keep turning and turning and turning. And then you're so far away from yourself. You're like, whoa, I started two miles yeah. over there, you know? Yeah. So just to hear the simple phrase, I get it. Oh yeah. Huge. At least it is for me. You know, sometimes, especially with your partners and maybe this is something to work on in that, that advocacy thing. Like sometimes I'm going to bring you things and I don't necessarily want you to find a solution. Or I don't necessarily want you to tell me what to do with it. I just want you to say, wow, babe, I hear you. That sucks. You feel that way. I understand why you would. I love you. What can I do for you? Like write that down and just like follow that sequence in its exact order. And I feel like a lot more can happen there than, okay, well, it's because you're doing this or, you know, breaking down and, and kind of putting it into an analytical space. Um, you know, that's a practice for me and Matthew sometimes when I'm telling him things, you know, and he wants to go into problem solver mode and I get it, but that's not always what I need. 
And even that can be the start of your advocacy is just sharing, hey, I'm going to bring you something and I don't need you to necessarily do anything about it. This is just my safe space for sharing. Can you just hear me? Yeah. And like hold me? Yeah. 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 Aww. Yeah, so much there. So, you know, there's definitely a factor that is about having courage and communication skills to advocate for yourself. And um, part of that is feeling comfortable with your partner to say that. So it can sometimes be really hard to approach your partner with things like that, right? So um, sometimes I have have people that say like, oh man, I just could like never say that to my partner. That just, uh, I don't know. They just would never understand. I don't know. I would never say that. And I'm just thinking like, how blessed am I? And like, wow, I just would never, I just don't feel that way, you know? So it makes me feel sad for them, but yeah, mm, it, there's definitely this piece of like courage and, and being able to say this to your partner. You know, I have people in my village who have not been on a date in three years. Like their, their children are three, right? And so you're talking about these lifestyles that are, like not healthy to to model for your kids and and yeah so yeah so I wanted to talk about your uh your other podcast and and I love your your episode of the balance and motherhood podcast to tell jealousy and guilt to f off <laughs> I'd love to hear your thoughts on social stigmas about things like having to be the super mom and this idea um, that you can and should immediately have the supermodel body after, um, after having your baby just a few, few days ago, um, you know, insert my eye roll and like, oh, don't even get me started. But I'd love to hear your thoughts on that. Yeah. So part of my thought process as it evolves, because I mean, everything, or I'm always open to looking at things in a new way, a new perspective and evolving them. Right. Cause I think that's what helps us grow out of the level at which our problems were created and move on to something else. And when I think about the essence of the, the guilt and the pressure around what a mom should do after she has a baby, whether that is go back to work immediately or be the same way that she was before, have her body be the same way that she was before. I look at that as I want to say lack, but instead I'll shift that to it's an area of opportunity in our culture to support the woman and family and mama after baby. The postpartum experience is heavily under-resourced, talked about, um, researched, you know, shared on, in, in a real way. And I think if we had more of those honest conversations, if we utilize more of our incredible abundant resources uh, to support the mama and that process, the conversation would become less of how much weight can you lose after the baby? And instead, how can we make you feel the most supported, the most loved, the most nurtured after, after baby? So instead of the pounds lost, it's, how much nourishing food are you eating? You know, how, how are you even getting enough to eat? Are you, you know, that, that sort of thing. And rather than, are you running a 10 K, you know, a month after having a baby, are you able to move around? Are you, are you practicing to re-strengthen your pelvic floor? You know, that whole thing. Good God. I learn about that every single day that there's more and more about that, that we don't understand. Absolutely. Expect a woman to go home 
with her organs all jumbled and just figure it out and live her normal way of life. And, you know, we joke about, you know, peeing when you sneeze. That's not a joke. Like that's not something that a human should have to experience if they don't want to. And yet we just look at that as like, you've had a baby, that's what happens. And you right. live with it and ha ha. No, if men had any sort of experience in their collectively in their body that after it, they were peeing themselves. They would freak out. Also, right. do you think that would be fixed like a right? hundred years ago? And there would be, <laughs> there would be shops everywhere on how to help them solve it. I always um, say that, you know, that is common, but not normal. So it's common. Yeah. A lot of people have it. It's not normal. Like, right. you know, there is help out there, you know, connect yourself with that for sure. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so what we do about it, how we release that is more women taking a stand for themselves, standing in their power. And you don't even have to fight what the, what the current narrative or conversation is because fight creates more energy around that. That which you resist persists. So I'd rather be for something than against anything. So it's not even about giving a middle finger and fighting the, like what the current standard of womanhood and motherhood and beauty is, because that's not where my energy is best served. My energy is best served focusing on myself first and then with what I can and with my reserves give to others around me in the form of empowering conversation, question asking, seeking, um, resource sharing, you know, all of that. So let's uplift and empower rather than try to break down what isn't working because it's kind of like crowding out with your, with your nutrition. If you're looking to get healthier and clean up some things, put more of the healthy things in. And over time you won't want the unhealthy things yep. as much because you have, you're experiencing this, this health, this abundance. So same as far as energy is concerned in the conversation around mom guilt, I want to crowd it out with the awesome stuff and not even concern myself yep. with what, what isn't. Yeah. That is, wow. Yeah, just wow to everything. That's, that's the goal, right? I think, I think that we have all these pioneers that are kind of working towards the same goal. And, um, and that's the one. It's nice to, to meet other people kind of in that village. You know, you have like all these little villages that you can belong to that are they're doing all these different things. Um, and I, I love when they overlap. So getting, getting really personal. What has been your biggest struggle in finding this balance um, or in parenthood? Or maybe those are two different things. Maybe they're the same things. Share with us um, kind of what you will. I think there's so much power in sharing your struggles because there is probably someone else out there who's going through the same thing or something similar that can draw strength from your story. So as a parent, but also um, finding that balance, what has been the struggle on those two journeys? That's powerful. And I love how you kind of set that up because it is important to learn from where, where you came from and when things didn't look so effortless and easy. So the picture you're seeing on Instagram or the person you're seeing on stage, you know, successful and well put together and all of that, you're seeing the thousands of hours of reps, practice, breakdowns, breakthroughs, blood, sweat, and tears. That's what you're seeing the result of, but you don't get to see all of what took them there. So that's something to remember when you're looking at someone and you think they're at a certain space that you would like to be at, or you think seems unattainable for you. It did not happen overnight for that person or those people or whatever that is. So even to receive, you know, amazing recognition from you and, you know, how my marriage is flowing or how the podcast 
Ooh, I mean, you should be here on the nights where things aren't running so smooth or when the marriage doesn't seem so solid. <laughs> right. Have to happen to be able to even have a yeah. semblance of togetherness. So I just want to acknowledge that to remember that because I think we put people on pedestals and idolize, you know, some of the, especially the really big people in self-help and self-development right now. I appreciate them so much. We need them, but I'm a little like eh, at times I'm like, I'm not hearing any of your struggles. I'm just hearing, you know, you're telling me how to live my life, but like, what, what was your thing? So anyway, I love that part of my biggest struggles in finding balance and striking my own balance and parenthood, I think you could look at them kind of like Venn diagram where part of it is, you know, singular to that experience, but then there's some overlap. But for myself personally, before even getting into motherhood, one of my biggest struggles was just letting go of being a victim to everything, to life, to my parents, to, you know, blaming other people for what I was experiencing. And, um, you know, with that looked like uh, bouts of clinical depression, antidepressants, suicidal thoughts, self-destructive tendencies and behaviors, jumping in and out of relationships that confirmed my lack of worthiness and confirmed my, you know, insert the blank there, whatever it is that I, I was using to limit myself at the time. And it, it's just, it was constant practice. Practice, practice, practice is, you know, how the balance is eventually struck and then reconfigured every so often because the, the, the balance has to shift with, with what you're doing to master yourself is such an interesting concept because you are a dynamic, ever changing thing. So how do you master something that is changing literally by the millisecond, even down to a cellular level, your body is always changing too. So how do we even begin to master something like that? Uh, it's, ooh, it's that practice. And then one of the challenges too around that, that mindset thing, you know, it goes back to what we were talking about earlier to really, what does balance even mean to me? What does it even, what do I want to make it mean? What does it look like for me? Because I see what other people are doing. Some of it looks nice. Some of it doesn't. Where can I pull from that? What works for me and do what works for me and finding me. Oh my God. In the process, you know, understanding things like mission statement, values, purpose, creating uh, standards for relationships in my life that in our alignment with how I know myself to be valuable, worthy, all of those things, that is a tall order. And it's, <laughs> been, yeah. it's been the challenge in finding balance. <laughs> and um, so when I am able to coach people through it now or whatever I'm doing, whether it's a podcast, a a blog, a conversation like this, it's the result of thousands of hours and people supporting me in my process. It's absolutely not done alone. So letting go of this false sense of independence, I think was a challenge as well, because I don't think anyone is truly 100% independent because even if you want to get down to, you know, um, uh, smaller elements of it, you rely on people to bring you the food that you eat. You rely on people to make the clothes that you're wearing. So if you expand it into that broader sense, no one is 100% truly independent. That was huge in the creation of balance. And then parenthood <laughs> has been, <laughs> has been uh, keeping my sense of self and adding to that, letting, letting motherhood, letting parenthood, letting Maya, this experience enrich who I am without 
overlapping all of that work and what I had been doing and who I have been becoming to see myself as only Maya's mother. That has been, has been very powerful. And the, and the, the, the challenge has been, I mean, little things like time management and making time for Matthew, making time for myself, staying, um, sexed up and loved up. And like, those are, those are the challenges in, um, in parenthood, I would say. And, oh, also being responsible for a human being and understanding that the things that I do have direct impact and that through my process of who I'm being, I can heal things from my past and I can set her up for a more powerful context of this thing called life than I feel like I had. And I feel like through what I've been able to learn, I can now impart things that I don't think were done for me because you can only teach what you know and what you've learned yourself. And so that's where a lot of healing in terms of forgiving, you know, my parents and releasing things around that is they, they taught what they knew and we're all doing the best that we can. So I think if you were to distill it down to one thing in parenthood, it comes back to that. We're all doing the best that we can. That's been the mantra, the mantra and mantra <laughs> of, um, of parenthood is just doing the best that we can. And your best looks different every day. That's the thing too. We want to say our best is, is stagnant. A flat line. It's thing. not right. Yeah. So one day your best might be taking a shower <laughs> and another, <laughs> your best might be, you felt like you con- conquered the world and that's great. That's, that's okay. Yeah. I mean, you know, I think about people who like don't have kids. Me, I, I have those days where sometimes I'm like, what did I do today? Hmm, I showered. All right. Way to go. Me high five. Try to get tomorrow. (laughs) You know, like, okay, that's what today looked like. Maybe tomorrow we'll hold something different. Maybe it won't. That's what I need right now. And that's fine. So, Uh, you know, when I think about self-care and and what that looks like for me, I think it might be surprising to some folks that it isn't all like massages and hot oil treatment because that is – we talked about it earlier. That is kind of what the buzzword holds, but actually, um, I value my sleep more than anything. So without sleep, I'm useless. And, and without sleep, I, I just cannot function. Like that's just the bottom line. So self-care is rooted in sleep for me. It is my go-to for headaches, for when I'm sick, for when I feel sad, for when I feel overwhelmed, for when I feel alone, even for like when I feel accomplished, I'm ready to relax. You know, it's my reset. I'm like, okay, that was amazing. Do a big stretch, hug myself, climb into bed and like truly relax. It's my reset. I also do love to get massages. Um, You know, I get on these streaks where I go every four weeks, and then there are periods where I look down, and it's been 90 days since my last massage. Um, I love to eat good food, and I make sure to carve out intentional time for Nicholas and I, and I indulge in the things that I find fun. I love many petties. I have to know what your essential care things look like. So not necessarily even routines, but just like your rituals, your mantras, your daily things, your monthly appointments. Like what does Sarah Bivens have to have to keep sane and stay functioning and like, you know, not be that shit show we were talking about. Oh yeah. <laughs> yes. Uh, I love that you said sleep because I can totally appreciate that. And that was, that was one of my big challenges at the beginning of motherhood for sure. was like, how has anyone done this? How has our race survived? (laughs) Like, 
<laughs> um, but we are, thank you know, the heavens, we're in a space now where Maya is sleeping 12 hours a night. So now what that presents though, because you're given time and you find ways to spend that time. So there's still nights where I'm either working or Netflixing or whatever, and it's late and I go to bed late and then she sure as heck is going to get up when she gets up and then I'm up and I'm like, dang it, I could have <laughs> so much sleep and I didn't. Um, but for me, you know, like how you said mantra or affirmation or something around that. One thing that I come back to often is something that I heard from a friend of mine and she said she would say it to herself every day when she got in the car and that is, I'm divinely loved, protected, and provided for. And I, I love what that covers because loved, I mean, yes, loved in the sense of you love yourself, you are loved by other people, and you, then you can give that love. Protected, that security, that sense that all is well, that sense that, you know, uh, surrender to, to what is, that you have elements of influence. And then there's also pieces that you, you can't control and you can't necessarily have to understand or wrap your mind around. And then provided for, I mean, look at the abundance around us. Like I am divinely provided for. I think that's a beautiful thing to think about, especially as you greet each day or you go into something is to just remind yourself of that. So that's been very powerful for me. And then along the lines of, of mantra is a mission statement. You know, I created a mission statement for my life um, a couple years ago and I've let it kind of marinate and see what comes out of it. And it's a really powerful process and I recommend it to everyone, whether it's just a simple statement, you know, like my mission is to be love and happy and healthy. Maybe that's what it is to get you started. And then maybe it expands and flushes out into, you know, serving the roles that you have in your life and the things that you want to achieve and your goals and your dreams, you know, maybe it becomes something like that. That's, that's been huge. And, um, you know, the, the practices I've shared this on the podcast and it's, it's actually with a tool that I use and it comes from a philosophy of which I've been coached and trained in. Um, it's called the Your Day Balance Game, and there's an app which you can use to kind of practice this routine, and it's balance as an acronym. So balance as this 360 holistic, W-H-O-L-E, holistic approach to balance and to balanced healthy habits. And B-A-L-A-N-C-E is breath, aqua, lengthen, anaerobic, nutrition, cleanse, and energize. And so I know on a weekly basis, if I am doing something in each of those seven categories, maybe not every single day, all seven, but if throughout a week's span, I'm doing something in each of those areas, I know I'm filling myself up again from a, from a multidimensional standpoint. I'm not just doing one thing because I think when we fixate on one thing, you know, if you're just a runner and that's all you do and you run hundreds of miles each week. That's amazing, obviously, and I have so much respect for that. But I think you're ignoring the other aspects of yourself and the other parts of health and wellness, like your mental space or your emotional well-being or you know, what you're eating. Just because you're running all the time does not mean you're a well-balanced, healthy human being. Um, same as if you're meditating all day. If you just go sit on a mountain all day and meditate, that does not mean you're taking great care of your body. That doesn't, you know, all of these other things. So if I'm doing something in each of those areas, I know I'm where I need to be to feel my best and to be my best. And so that might look like a walk or a jog, making sure I'm drinking enough water, stretching my body and moving it, eating, you know, nutrient dense, rich, awesome foods, um, 
releasing things that I don't need to do all the time. So getting off the phone, getting off the computer, um, and spending time with loved ones, meditating, journaling, reading, empowering material. Those are all things. And, um, I will say lately just with the, the practice I've been doing and how Matthew and I've been working on our relationship and, and, um, you know, cultivating more of that space is enough healthy sex. I, you cannot <laughs> undervalue or um, take for granted how important that is really for women everywhere, for moms especially. And I'm hoping to, you know, through what I'm doing in the Balance of Motherhood podcast, we're doing a sex series right now to create a, a conscious conversation around that, that it really is important. And it's not just this dutiful thing as a wife that you have to do or something that society says makes you makes you more worthy because you're doing it more. It's like, no, every mom needs to be well sexed. I fully believe. And, uh, with that, with that energy, with the cultivation of that, you know, Kundalini life energy, we can, we can get stuff done and heal things. So we can be both in our yin and yang energy of like, get shit done mode. Oh, and also, you know, I'm a domestic goddess. Um, so that's part of what's going on for me lately in terms of my, my regimen or my practice. I love it. I love it so much. You know, I think there are a lot of things that, that are these um, topics that society says, like, don't, don't talk about. And, you know, sex is one of those things, but you can't really talk about it, you know, before marriage. So don't talk about sex before marriage, but then also like once you're married, like, Oh, don't talk about, don't talk about sex in your marriage. Yeah, the window's very small. <laughs> okay. Well, like, what is the window? What's the window? Like you're, you're like not married one day and you're married the next. Like what, when do you talk about, like, who do you talk about? How, what, what? Like, you know, I think, yes, if, if there's a topic that, that needs to be explored, it is definitely, you know, just sex in general, but especially after having kids, because I think that's something that so much, um, so much weighs on, like there's, there's emotional stuff weighing on it. There's physical stuff weighing on it. There's like family dynamics weighing on it. There's, there's a lot weighing on, I'm keeping your sex life alive. Um, so yeah, I, I'm so excited for your new podcast. I, I think that, I think everybody should, should tune into it for sure. Um, so what is your, what's your final piece of advice for any mother out there who is thinking like, this is me. I need to start advocating for myself. I deserve it. I need it. It's healthy for me. My family will benefit from me. This is me. But then like fear sets in and, um, you know, she starts to feel that, that mom guilt and that shame. What is your advice? What's your advice to her? Just, you know, something that she can act on. Yeah, that's great. I think, I love how you said there's that transition point from, yes, I'm going to do it. I'm all hyped up to, oh, nope, not going to do it anymore for whatever reason. I totally <laughs> get it. That is so real. And I, my solution for that is to do something, anything that gets me out of my head. Because when we start to overthink things, I, we think we've cursed a few times already. So I'll say when we mind fuck something, <laughs> yeah, <right. laughs> it, it's shut down. Like, forget it. It's done. So if you can practice to get to that space of yeah. realizing when you're getting there before you actually are, are in the deep end of yeah. it, that's when you act. That's when you do whatever it is. And 
I practice this myself. You know, those gut feelings you get of like, I feel like I should turn this way today and go oh, yeah. this way, or I feel like I should call this person mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. They don't hear from me or they're busy or whatever. Do that thing. Do what, like, even if it's like, mm, I want this tea over that tea. No, but I always get that tea. Like, I don't know. Just do, you know, put. Oh yeah. The energy is real. Like the the universe puts out energies. Just listen to it. Like just feel it and, you know, kind of succumb to it. It reminds me so much of birth. Like you will get these feelings. Just, you you just kind of have to listen to it. And it's hard because you like want to be in control of your life, your body, your thoughts, your actions, like literally everything, the outcome, your future, like, you know, you want to be in control of it all. Sometimes it's just nice to be like, okay, I feel this way. I'm going to lean into it. Feels a little uncomfortable. Sure. I'll take that tea. This is weird, but I'm going to take that tea. Like, you know, sometimes that's all it takes. Yeah. Yeah. I I love how you said that. Yeah. The uncomfort, being able to find joy and peace and comfort in the uncomfortable, that's self-mastery. That's mastery over any circumstance that someone can throw out to you, whether it's your spouse, your child, your boss, a friend, um, a complete stranger who starts, you know, rattling your stuff. I mean, when you can sit in something and smile or kind of laugh your way through it or, or just like feel in your physical body, you know, your blood pressure isn't rising, your heart rate isn't going up, like you've won as far as I'm concerned, but it takes time to get there. So giving yourself that grace, giving yourself that, that love and that nurturing through the process of getting there is so key. It is. I love, love, love your, your outlook on headspace and your focus on, on the mental work. I, um, I mean, obviously it's, it's a foundation of, of my practice. It is something that I bring to the table with every single person that kind of, I think, encounters me, whether you're a client or like in my life, like I do it with Nicholas, you know, I work with myself. I do it with my friends. I do it with literally anybody, you know, I just think it's, it's super, super important. It has been, oh my goodness, so, so, so much fun talking with you and chatting. And I'm so excited for our listeners to hear this. They are, I literally just imagine them at the end of it with their, their mouth like on the floor, like, whoa, that was so powerful. And that's crazy. Tell us where, uh, where people can find you. How do people reach out to you? What if they want to know more about what you're doing and, and they're really digging what you're saying? Absolutely. So sarahbivens.com is a great place to go. And from there, you can kind of springboard into any of the resources. Both the podcasts are linked from there. Um, Any and all my resources are there. And um, Instagram is great too, which you can get to from the website or just find me at Sarah M. Bivens. And I'm pretty active there. So you can give me a shout or see what's going on. But those are the easiest ways. Awesome. Oh my goodness, Sarah. Thank you so much for for being here with me and, and gosh, just sharing your infinite inner light. It has been inspiring. This is awesome. As always, village members, find your tribe and love them hard. Did you know that you can join our online tribes? Our private Facebook group can be found by searching the Tranquility Tribe podcast on Facebook. And our Instagram tribe is Tranquility by Hehe. If you have a story you want to share with us, please reach out to us at tranquilitybyhehe at gmail.com. Until next time, villagers.